Chapter Fifty Five of Wives and Daughters by Elizabeth Gaskell. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Fifty Five An Absent Lover Returns. And now it was late June, and to Molly's and her father's extreme urgency in pushing, and Mr. and Mrs. Kirkpatrick's affectionate persistency in pulling, Cynthia had yielded and had gone back to finish her interrupted visit in london but not before the brute of her previous sudden return to nurse molly had told strongly in her favour in the fluctuating opinion of the little town her affair with mr preston was thrust into the shade while every one was speaking of her warm heart under the gleam of molly's recovery everything assumed a rosy hue as indeed became the time when actual roses were fully in bloom one morning mrs gibson brought molly a great basket of flowers that had been sent from the hall molly still breakfasted in bed but she had just come down and was now well enough to arrange the flowers for the drawing-room and as she did so with these blossoms she made some comments on each ah these white pinks they were mrs hamley's favourite flower and so like her this little bit of sweet briar it quite scents the room it has pricked my fingers but never mind oh mamma look at this rose i forget its name but it is very rare and grows up in the sheltered corner of the wall near the mulberry tree roger bought the tree for his mother with his own money when he was quite a boy he showed it to me and made me notice it i dare say it was roger who got it now you heard papa say he had seen him yesterday no roger roger come home said molly turning first red then very white yes oh i remember you had gone to bed before papa came in and he was called off early to tiresome mrs beale yes roger turned up at the hall the day before yesterday but molly leaned back against her chair too faint to do more at the flowers for some time she had been startled by the suddenness of the news roger come home it happened that mr gibson was unusually busy on this particular day and he did not come home till late in the afternoon but molly kept her place in the drawing-room all the time not even going to take her customary siesta so anxious was she to hear everything about roger's return which as yet appeared to her almost incredible but it was quite natural in reality the long monotony of her illness had made her lose all count of time when roger left england his idea was to coast round africa on the eastern side until he reached the cape and thence to make what further journey or voyage might seem to him best in pursuit of his scientific objects to cape town all his letters had been addressed of late and there two months before he had received the intelligence of osborne's death as well as cynthia's hasty letter of relinquishment he did not consider that he was doing wrong in returning to england immediately and reporting himself to the gentleman who had sent him out with a full explanation of the circumstances relating to osborne's private marriage and sudden death he offered and they accepted his offer to go out again for any time that they might think equivalent to the five months he was yet engaged to them for they were most of them gentlemen of property and saw the full importance of proving the marriage of an eldest son and installing his child as the natural heir to a long-descended estate 
this much information but in a more condensed form mr gibson gave to molly in a very few minutes she sat up on her sofa looking very pretty with the flush on her cheeks and the brightness in her eyes well said she when her father stopped speaking well what asked he playfully oh why such a number of things i've been waiting all day to ask you all about everything how is he looking if a young man of twenty-four ever does take to growing taller i should say that he was taller as it is i suppose it's only that he looks broader stronger more muscular oh is he changed asked molly a little disturbed by this account no not changed and yet not the same he's as brown as a berry for one thing caught a little of the negro tinge and a beard as fine and sweeping as my bay mare's tail a beard but go on papa does he talk as he used to do i should know his voice amongst ten thousand i didn't catch any hottentot twang if that's what you mean nor did he say cisa and pompey very much alike especially pompey which is the only specimen of negro language i can remember just at this moment and which i never could see the wit of said mrs gibson who had come into the room after the conversation had begun and did not understand what it was aiming at molly fidgeted she wanted to go on with her questions and keep her father to definite and matter-of-fact answers and she knew that when his wife chimed into a conversation mr gibson was very apt to find out that he must go about some necessary piece of business tell me how are they all getting on together it was an inquiry which she did not make in general before mrs gibson for molly and her father had tacitly agreed to keep silence on what they knew or had observed respecting the three who formed the present family at the hall oh said mr gibson roger is evidently putting everything to rights in his firm quiet way things to rights why what's wrong asked mrs gibson quickly the squire and the french daughter-in-law don't get on well together i suppose i am always so glad cynthia acted with the promptitude she did it would have been very awkward for her to have been mixed up with all these complications poor roger to find himself supplanted by a child when he comes home you were not in the room my dear when i was telling molly of the reasons for roger's return it was to put his brother's child at once into his rightful and legal place so now when he finds the work partly done to his hands he is happy and gratified in proportion then he is not much affected by cynthia's breaking off her engagement mrs gibson could afford to call it an engagement now i never did give him credit for very deep feelings on the contrary he feels it very acutely he and i had a long talk about it yesterday both molly and mrs gibson would have liked to have heard something more about this conversation but mr gibson did not choose to go on with the subject the only point which he disclosed was that roger had insisted on his right to have a personal interview with cynthia and on hearing that she was in london at present had deferred any further explanation or expostulation by letter preferring to await her return molly went on with her questions on other subjects and mrs osborne hamley how is she wonderfully brightened up by roger's presence i don't think i've ever seen her smile before 
but she gives him the sweetest smiles from time to time they are evidently good friends and she loses her strange startled look when she speaks to him i suspect she has been quite aware of the squire's wish that she should return to france and has been hard put to decide whether to leave her child or not the idea that she would have to make some such decision came upon her when she was completely shattered by grief and illness and she hasn't had anyone to consult as to her duty until roger came upon whom she has evidently firm reliance he told me something of this himself you seem to have had quite a long conversation with him papa yes i was going to see old abraham when the squire called to me over the hedge as i was jogging along he told me the news and there was no resisting his invitation to come back and lunch with them besides one gets a great deal of meaning out of roger's words it didn't take so very long a time to hear this much i should think you would come and call upon us soon said mrs gibson to molly and then we shall see how much we can manage to hear don't you think you will papa said molly more doubtfully she remembered the last time he was in that very room and the hopes with which he had left it and she fancied that she could see traces of this thought in her father's countenance at his wife's speech i can't tell my dear until he's quite convinced of cynthia's intentions it can't be very pleasant for him to come on mere visits of ceremony to the house in which he has known her but he's one who will always do what he thinks right whether pleasant or not mrs gibson could hardly wait till her husband had finished his sentence before she testified against a part of it convinced of cynthia's intentions i should think she had made them pretty clear what more does the man want he's not yet convinced that the letter wasn't written in a fit of temporary feeling i've told him that this was true although i didn't feel it my place to explain to him the causes of that feeling he believes that he can induce her to resume the former footing i don't i've told him so but of course he needs the full conviction that she alone can give him poor cynthia my poor child said mrs gibson plaintively what has she exposed herself to by letting herself be over-persuaded by that man mr gibson's eyes flashed fire but he kept his lips tight-closed and only said that man indeed quite below his breath molly too had been damped by an expression or two in her father's speech mere visit of ceremony was it so indeed a mere visit of ceremony whatever it was the call was paid before many days were over that he felt all the awkwardness of his position toward mrs gibson that he was in reality suffering pain all the time was but too evident to molly but of course mrs gibson saw nothing of this in her gratification at the proper respect paid to her by one whose name was in the newspapers that chronicled his return and about whom already lord cumnor and the towers family had been making inquiry molly was sitting in her pretty white invalid's dress half reading half dreaming for the june air was so clear and ambient the garden so full of bloom the trees so full of leaf that reading by the open window was only a pretence at such a time besides which mrs gibson continually interrupted her with remarks about the pattern of her worsted work it was after lunch orthodox calling time 
when Maria ushered in Mr. Roger Hamley. Molly started up, and then stood shyly and quietly in her place while a bronzed, bearded, grave man came into the room, in whom she at first had to seek for the merry boyish face she knew by heart only two years ago. But months in the climates in which Roger had been travelling age as much as years in more temperate regions, and constant thought and anxiety while in daily peril of life deepen the lines of character upon the face. Moreover, the circumstances that had of late affected him personally were not of a nature to make him either buoyant or cheerful. But his voice was the same. That was the first point of the old friend Molly caught when he addressed her in a tone far softer than he used in speaking conventional politenesses to her stepmother. I was so sorry to hear how ill you had been. You are looking but delicate. Letting his eyes rest upon her face with affectionate examination, Molly felt herself color all over with the consciousness of his regard. To do something to put an end to it, she looked up and showed him her beautiful, soft gray eyes, which he never remembered to have noticed before. She smiled at him as she blushed still deeper, and said, Oh, I am quite strong now to what I was. It would be a shame to be ill when everything is in its full summer beauty. I have heard how deeply we, uh, I, am indebted to you. My father can hardly praise you. Please don't, said Molly, the tears coming into her eyes in spite of herself. He seemed to understand her at once. He went on as if speaking to Mrs. Gibson. Indeed, my little sister-in-law is never weary of talking about Monsieur le Docteur, as she calls her husband. I have not had the pleasure of making Mrs. Osborne Hamley's acquaintance yet, said Mrs. Gibson, suddenly aware of a duty which might have been expected from her. And I must beg you to apologize to her for my remissness. But Molly has been such a care and anxiety to me, for, you know, I look upon her as quite my own child, that I really have not gone anywhere, excepting to the Towers, perhaps I should say, which is just like another home to me. And then I understood that Mrs. Osborne Hamley was thinking of returning to France before long. Still, it was very remiss. The little trap thus set for news of what might be going on in the Hamley family was quite successful. Roger answered her thus. I am sure Mrs. Osborne Hamley will be very glad to see any friends of the family, as soon as she is a little stronger. I hope she will not go back to France at all. She is an orphan, and I trust we shall induce her to remain with my father. But at present nothing is arranged. Then, as if glad to have got over his visit of ceremony, he got up and took leave. When he was at the door, he looked back, having, as he thought, a word more to say. But he quite forgot what it was, for he surprised Molly's intent gaze and sudden confusion at discovery, and went away as soon as he could. The poor Osborne was right, said he. She has grown into delicate, fragrant beauty, just as he said she would. Or is it the character which has formed her face? Now the next time I enter these doors, it will be to learn my fate. Mr. Gibson had told his wife of Roger's desire to have a personal interview with Cynthia, rather with a view to her repeating what he said to her daughter. He did not see any exact necessity for this, it is true, 
but he thought it might be advisable that she should know all the truth in which she was concerned and he told his wife this but she took the affair into her own management and although she apparently agreed with mr gibson she never named the affair to cynthia all that she said to her was your old admirer roger hamley has come home in a great hurry in consequence of poor dear osborne's unexpected decease he must have been rather surprised to find the widow and her little boy established at the hall he came to call here the other day and made himself really rather agreeable although his manners are not improved by the society he has kept on his travels still i prophesy he'll be considered as a fashionable lion and perhaps the very uncouthness which jars against my sense of refinement may even become admired in a scientific traveller who has been into more desert places and eaten more extraordinary food than any other englishman of the day i suppose he's given up all chance of inheriting the estate for i hear he talks of returning to africa and becoming a regular wanderer your name was not mentioned but i believe he inquired about you from mr gibson there said she to herself as she folded up and directed her letter that can't disturb her or make her uncomfortable and it's all the truth too or very near it of course he'll want to see her when she comes back but by that time i do hope mr henderson will have proposed again and that that affair will be all settled but cynthia returned to hollingford one tuesday morning and in answer to her mother's anxious inquiries on the subject would only say that mr henderson had not offered again why should he she had refused him once and he did not know the reason of her refusal at least one of the reasons she did not know if she should have taken him if there had been no such person as roger hamley in the world no uncle and aunt Cookpatrick had never heard anything about roger's offer nor had her cousins she had always declared her wish to keep it a secret and she had not mentioned it to any one whatever other people might have done underneath this light and careless vein there were other feelings but mrs gibson was not one to probe beneath the surface she had set her heart on mr henderson's marrying cynthia very early in their acquaintance and to know firstly that the same wish had entered into his head and that roger's attachment to cynthia with its consequences had been the obstacle and secondly that cynthia herself with all the opportunities of propinquity which she had lately had had failed to provoke a repetition of the offer was as mrs gibson said enough to provoke a saint all the rest of the day she alluded to cynthia as a disappointing and ungrateful daughter molly could not make out why and resented it for cynthia until the latter said bitterly never mind molly mamma's only vexed because mr because i have not come back an engaged young lady yes and i am sure you might have done there's the ingratitude i am not so unjust as to want you to do what you can't do said mrs gibson querulously but where's the ingratitude mamma i'm very much tired and perhaps that makes me stupid but i cannot see the ingratitude cynthia spoke very wearily leaning her head back on the sofa cushions as if she did not care to have an answer why don't you see we are all doing what we can for you dressing you well and sending you to london and when you might relieve us of the expense of all this you don't no cynthia i will speak said molly all crimson with indignation and pushing away cynthia's restraining hand i am sure papa does not feel and does not mind any expense he incurs about his daughters and i know quite well that he does not wish us to marry unless 
she faltered and stopped unless what said mrs gibson half mocking unless we love someone very dearly indeed said molly in a low firm tone well after this tirade really rather indelicate i must say i have done i will neither help nor hinder any love affairs of you two young ladies in my days we were glad of the advice of our elders and she left the room to put into fulfilment an idea which had just struck her to write a confidential letter to mrs kirkpatrick giving her her version of cynthia's unfortunate entanglement and delicate sense of honour and hints of her entire indifference to all the masculine portion of the world mr henderson being dexterously excluded from the category oh dear said molly throwing herself back in a chair with a sigh of relief as mrs gibson left the room how cross i do get since i've been ill but i couldn't bear her to speak as if papa grudged you anything i'm sure he doesn't molly you need not defend him on my account but i'm sorry mamma still looks upon me as an encumbrance as the advertisements in the times always call us unfortunate children but i've been an encumbrance to her all my life i'm getting very much into despair about everything molly i shall try my luck in russia i've heard of a situation as english governess at moscow in a family owning whole provinces of land and serfs by the hundred i put off writing my letter till i came home i shall be as much out of the way there as if i was married oh dear travelling all night isn't good for the spirits how is mr preston oh he has taken cumnock grange three miles away and he never comes into hollingford tea-parties now i saw him once in the street but it's a question which of us tried the hardest to get out of the other's way you've not said anything about roger yet no i didn't know if you would care to hear he is very much older-looking quite a strong grown-up man and papa says he is much graver ask me any questions if you want to know but i have only seen him once i was in hopes he would have left the neighbourhood by this time mamma said he was going to travel again i can't tell said molly i suppose you know she continued but hesitating a little before she spoke that he wishes to see you no i never heard i wish he would have been satisfied with my letter it was as decided as i could make it if i say i won't see him i wonder if his will or mine will be the strongest his said molly but you must see him you owe it to him he will never be satisfied without it suppose he talks me round into resuming the engagement i should only break it off again surely it can't be talked around if your mind is made up but perhaps it is not really cynthia asked she with a little wistful anxiety betraying itself in her face it is quite made up i am going to teach little russian girls and am never going to marry nobody you are not serious cynthia and yet it is a very serious thing but cynthia went off into one of her wild moods and no more reason or sensible meaning was to be got out of her at the time. End of chapter 55